Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings across America. I just so happen to be Eric Erickson. This just so happens to be my show, and I'm really delighted for you to be with me. The phone number, if you want to call in and chat, 877-973-7425. Might as well go there. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, she's just not bright. She's, she's not a smart person. And, you know, their, their pushback immediately is they go straight to the race card when you say this, that you're just a racist for saying it. You don't like her because she's black. That's not true at all. She's not smart. She, she's a progressive activist, uh, and she probably is a bit of a diversity play to be in the White House press secretary slot. I didn't like Jen Psaki either, but she was competent at her job. This woman is atrocious at her job. And this exchange with Peter Ducey, I I couldn't believe this actually happened, and it did. So are, how is it two different things? Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated. They're allowed to stay. But, Why? But that's not how it works. Yeah, like we actually, no. Well, I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what, ha- what is happening. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not exactly how. exactly what's happening. We, well, Thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. Tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. So let me just lay out what we have done under this administration. We have installed new border technology and set up joint protocols She's with Mexico and book. Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We have already made over 3,000 arrests in the first three months of launching an unprecedented anti-smuggling campaign She's with regional reading. partners. We've secured record levels of funding for the Department of Homeland Security. We've put in place dedicated immigration judges so asylum seekers can have their cases heard faster. We've expanded labor pathways, including H-2B visas. And through the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection, President Biden brought 20 leaders, world leaders together uh, to manage increased migration flows across the Western Hemispheres. By contrast, core to the prior administration, immigration strategy was to build a wall, and they couldn't even accomplish that in the four years. And they also, by talking about building a wall, which would have taken billions of dollars from veterans, billions of dollars from from schools, uh, which is also a policy that just does not work. It is not that simple. It's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border. We have a a plan in place. Uh, This is not like switching the the, the lights on. Nothing to do with this. This is going to take a process. We are fixing a broken system that was actually left uh, by the last administration. And as it relates to the tennis star, that is totally different. That is a different process. That is the U.S. Open that he is part of. And there are CDC uh, federal guidance that he is he needs to follow. She never even answers the question. This is not good. But wait, wait, wait. There's some more here accomplished that in the four years and they also by talking about building a wall which would have taken billions of dollars from veterans policy that just does not work it is not that simple it's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border we have a, we have a a plan in place uh, this is not like switching the 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 lights on right this is going to take a process we are fixing a broken system that was actually left 
uh, by the last administration. And as it relates to the tennis star, that is totally different. That is a different process. That is the U.S. Open that he is part of. And there are CDC uh, federal guidance that he is he needs to follow. But why is there a CDC requirement for people to fly here as opposed to people that cross the southern border? Look, we have talked about title. We have talked about Title 42, right? This we not, have. This has nothing to do with Title 42. It is. It, title is, 42 is the CDC uh, imperative. And that you is. You guys got rid of it because he said the pandemic. That's is not. not that is. That anymore. is not how it works. <laughs> wow. Not every Title 42 is very much in place, and that is the process. So there is a CDC. It, it literally is no longer. They got rid of Title 42. She's so bad at the job, it's not in the binder, so she doesn't even know. They actually got rid of Title 42. This is obscene. This is absurd. And, and this is yet another issue Republicans should be focusing on instead of Mar-a-Lago. There are literally thousands of people a day crossing the southern border. In fact, in fact, uh, hang on a second. Um, where is this? Um, 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 um. Byron York noted this from a CNN story. There are now, pay attention to this, there are now more people crossing the southern border to get into this country from outside Mexico than from in Mexico. People around the world are doing it. Uh, this is from CNN. A radical shift at the border is making things tougher for Biden. There's a major detail missing from many conversations about the rising number of migrants coming to the border. Decades ago, the vast majority of migrants attempting to cross the border between ports of entry were Mexican. A few years ago, most came from Central American countries like the Northern Triangle, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. But now the Border Patrol notes that most are coming from outside those places. They're coming from Cuba, Colombia, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. It's a radical shift. There are also people coming from outside the Western Hemisphere who have learned that they can fly into Mexico and walk north and get into the country. Cuba is an island nation. These people are not swimming from Cuba to Mexico. They're taking planes and flying into Mexico and coming north. We found Russians, we found Ukrainians, we found Turks, we found people from Asia all over the world. They're coming north from Mexico. They walk in. And Corrine Jean-Pierre, the idiot White House press secretary, denies people. She literally said that's not how it works. It's exactly how it works. All you got to do is turn on Bill Malugan's reporting at Fox News and see the videos of people. I guess technically they're swimming because there's a river between Mexico and here. So she's not technically, I'm sure factcheck.org will come out and say, technically they're swimming across the Rio Grande. So they're not actually walking. Therefore, Peter Ducey's a liar. My gosh. It's only a matter of time before the fact checks do that. But still, these people are not smart. These people are, are, are not smart people to deny that. And, you know, Peter Ducey makes a very good point. Uh, what's his name? The tennis star is not allowed to come into the United States to play tennis because he's unvaccinated. But if he came across the southern border from Mexico... He could get in. 
All he's got to do, I mean, it would build his energy up too, probably. I mean, he'd work on his stamina. He could fly into Mexico City, pay someone to carry him north, cross the border of the Rio Grande, and go play tennis. And he'd be allowed it, welcomed with open arms by the Biden administration, maybe even put on a bus to New York City from Texas. By the way, that reminds me, there's this other story out there. I meant to get to it on, on Monday, and, and I didn't have time on Monday, but the New York Post has this story that New York City is beginning to be overwhelmed with the cost of taking care of all the illegal aliens being bussed in from Texas. This is at the Department of Homeless Services, acknowledged to the Post. It has abandoned its initial plan to operate an intake and processing center dedicated to the recent arrivals alongside a 600-room shelter at the Row NYC Hotel on 8th Avenue in Midtown. Officials would only say Sunday they finally selected a finalist to operate the yet-to-open Manhattan facility but would not reveal the contractor's name or its location. Contracting documents obtained by the Post show officials that hope to have the Midtown Shelter and Intake Facility up and running as soon as August 15th, 13 days ago. Uh, Department of Homeless Services also admitted they've yet to select and rent any of the 5,000 hotel rooms the agency says it needed. Instead, officials are continuing to co-mingle migrants with New Yorkers in the city's existing shelter. They have become overwhelmed. 6,000 migrants have sought shelter in the city, including many bust from Texas at the direction of the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. The mayor of New York wants White House and federal assistance. All they're having to do is deal with what Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California have been dealing with, particularly Texas. That's all they're having to do, and they don't like it. The mayor of Washington, D., similarly, is opposed to having to take care of all these people. She would prefer to be Texas's burden. All the governor of Texas has done, Greg Abbott, all he has done is expose the problem. They don't like it. They've been denying the problem. I mean, for Pete's sake, she got the White House press secretary today denying that people walk across the border. They don't like the consequences of their policies being played out before the eyes of their voters. They're fine with Texas putting up with it. They're fine with Texas dealing with it. They are fine with Texas having to uh, handle the situation. They don't want to deal with it. I thought it was pretty smart of the governor of Texas to do this. These people need to understand what Texas is dealing with on a daily basis. They can't avoid the headlines when these people are there. What is bizarre to me is that despite this happening, the White House has no desire to fix the situation at the southern border. And they won't let um, uh, Novak, uh, what's his name, Djokovic, come into the country to play tennis without a vaccine. But all of these people are coming into the country. By the way, there's data out there now, um, surprise, surprise, that progressives have largely decided COVID's here to stay. They might as well just treat it as a cold and go on with their lives. Some of these people are furious uh, on the left and think we all need to wear masks relentlessly and forever. I saw a uh, left-wing progressive doctor claim that it is a sign of being a racial ally if you wear a mask in public. It's virtue signaling now, not to not to prevent the virus from spreading, but it's virtue signaling to wear the mask. It's virtue signaling to worry about someone coming into this country unvaccinated to play tennis and not being worried about people, thousands of them coming across the border unvaccinated.
It's just virtue signaling for the left. This is like religious dogma on the left. But the idea that the White House press secretary, one, thinks Title 42 is still in place, and two, thinks people aren't walking across the border is absolutely bizarre. And I will not be surprised when PolitiFact comes out and says, well, technically Peter Ducey's wrong because they're swimming. There's a river between the two. I will not be surprised at all. Now, before I get out of here related to this, let me go to a phone call here. Miles, you're going to be up next on the issue. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. Hey, uh, appreciate your work on in-state politics and, uh, you know, giving us a great uh, bit of information that we might not otherwise or definitely wouldn't otherwise know. But I wanted to comment on the White House press secretary. Yeah. I think she was strategically placed because she is not that bright. They don't want to give any information coming up to the midterms. She just runs interference. She's just chaos. And it just gives them the opportunity to keep doing what they do behind the scenes with executive orders or, or different things. So I, I think she's, you know, a good theory. Now they brought, what's his name over the, the, the sharp guy from the Pentagon. Uh, they've had him up there for a while. Cause she just steps all over the message, but yeah, they, they've brought her out. I do think they do bring her out when they want to obfuscate the message and give nobody uh, get, 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 refuse to give people answers. I, I, I do think there's something to that. Uh, she's just not good at the job, and maybe that's why she is there. She's she's there to not to be good at the job and to read out of binders. The amount of times this woman reads out of binders as opposed to Jinsaki is actually pretty remarkable, uh, and they just keep her there. But yeah, Kirby, John Kirby, they brought John Kirby over from the Pentagon, and he's basically been the, the, the – when she makes a mess, he's got to go out there and clean up her mess. I can't imagine after the midterm she stays in the position much longer – I would imagine they would put him to be fully in charge of it, but they got to get through the midterms and let her keep doing this nonsense until then. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. And they're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bull and Branch where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bull and Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California King. You will feel the difference, and they're 100% free from toxins, no pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be a part of the program, this hour of the show is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're growing your business and need access to big loans like $750,000 and up, reach out to First Liberty. They can help you wherever your business is as long as it's American in the United States. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com. All right. To the phones we go. Steve, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Steve? Steve? Did you say, yeah. I sure did. Hey, uh, early in the, I'm sorry. Uh, early in the day, uh, I heard a story about 37,000 affidavits uh, that were received in Gwinnett County having to do with uh, voter fraud in the 2020 election. 
I couldn't really find a, a main source for it. Uh, I, I didn't know if maybe you heard anything about this. I have not heard 37,000 affidavits uh, alleging election fraud. Let's see. Um, I, I'm seeing something circulating on Twitter that I'm going to, to check out. 37,500 affidavits delivered to Gwinnett County, Georgia Election Board 2020 election should have never been certified. Oh, it's gate, Gateway Pundit. Is the, the Gateway Pundit always... Basically, if it comes from Gateway Pundit, I don't believe it unless I see a bunch of other sources given their track record there. Um, And the problem here is this. Regardless now of what you think about 2020, you're in 2022 and you're two months and a few days from the November election and you are still trying to relitigate 2020. Um, Some of you can't let it go and you never will, I realize. But this is 2022, and thus far, literally every single conspiracy theory and every single claim has not panned out. Uh, And if they did pan out, you're essentially saying it is a conspiracy of Republicans and Democrats to stop you because it's the Republicans who run the state. And so those Republicans, I guess, are going to beat you again. I, I guess I don't. I, I've I've stopped being able to figure out how all the little spider web lines and strings connect to each other. But the bottom line is, uh, the rest of the country has moved on from 2020 to 2022, and there doesn't appear to any ver- be ver- any veracity to this claim. Steve, I'm glad you reached out to me to to check on this. I, I wouldn't believe one. I, I don't believe anything I read from Gateway Pundit unless it comes from multiple other verifiable sources given the track record there um and two uh, you would be hearing about this from credible sources if it was that big of a deal so i suspect it's not very much like there was a story i've gotten a lot of people asking me about in dekalb county georgia yet again another another proof of voter fraud supposedly in dekalb county georgia this one's made national news i think gateway pundit has covered this as well of course the story was was misreported uh, about a, a woman on the ballot who won. Uh, she actually did win the race and was supposedly came in uh, fourth place. And it was the machines were throwing votes to someone else. Actually, what happened, it was human error and the hand count caught it. Um, a person dropped out. There were four people on the race. The person who was number three on the ballot dropped out. And some of the precincts, instead of moving the fourth person up to the third slot, left her in the fourth slot, but when they were counting the ballots, they were only counting for three people, not for four. And so a lot of the machines missed her, including her own precinct, which registered not a single vote for her. She knew there was a problem. Uh, They looked, they found the problem. They did the hand recount of the printed ballots and they were able to completely correct the problem. The system as designed worked to catch the fraud. Uh, No system is perfect, but this system where this happened was designed to be able to have redundancies in place, including the printed ballots. And they caught the problem and they fixed the result and the woman actually wound up winning the race. That's not a problem of the machines throwing votes to people. It's a problem of human error. The guy dropped out of the race and some of the precincts forgot to update their machines before the election. And they were able to catch it and they were able to fix it. And I'm just not sure how when people find the error and fix the error, we're supposed to say there's a grand conspiracy of machines throwing votes to people when they found and fixed the error. Everybody just wants to hold on to fantasy and fantasy and fiction. And this 
continued obsession about relitigating 2020 when we're two months away from 2022 and Georgia in particular has completely restructured and reformed its voting laws through the Republican legislature and yet people don't like to let their grievances go. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. And Steve, if you're still listening, I've got the answer for you and for me from a listener. Uh, the reason Gwinnett County rejected uh, the those affidavits and the like is that they're the same, it's the same complaint made by the Trump administration and investigated uh, back after 2020 and essentially refiled the same information so they've rejected it again. Uh, they did not find that it had merit back after the election in 2020. Uh, it's just the same thing happening now same same arguments so that that's it uh, that's the answer thanks to the listeners several people texted and all arrived at that conclusion and, and gave me that answer now I, I want to spend just a moment here uh, talking about two races uh, two national races in Pennsylvania John Fetterman is refusing to debate dr. Mehmet Oz. In Georgia, Herschel Walker is limiting his debates with Raphael Warnock. Fetterman has finally revealed the reason he doesn't want to debate, he claims, is because he's still in speech therapy after his stroke. That was not the case in the primary, though, when John Fetterman, one, had very bad debate performances, and then two, got out of debates with his fellow Democratic opponents. He didn't want to debate them either. Uh, what's so interesting to me is that the American national media has made a very big deal about Herschel Walker and very little deal about John Fetterman. John Fetterman chased a black man down and held him at gunpoint when he was mayor, and the media has given him a pass on that story. He's done a number of things the media's given him a pass on. When Joe Biden went to uh, Pennsylvania and interestingly enough said that Fetterman was running for governor, not senator, uh, Biden got that wrong. Fetterman was out calling for release of a third of all prisoners in Pennsylvania prisons and the legalization of marijuana while Joe Biden was promising to get tough on crime. Kind of a mixed message there. The media gave him a pass. Herschel Walker accurately noted that clean American air and the jet stream moves to Europe and Asia while polluting air from China in the jet stream moves to the United States and the media gave him all sorts of grief for it. They didn't like the way he said it. He didn't say it like a smart person or some such. He was accurate in what he said. And you don't have to believe me, the National Aeronautic and Ocean Administration, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, has a report that says, uh, we swap our clean air for China and China swaps its air for ours. Uh, we, we get dirty air from China, they get clean air from us. The NOAA, an agency of the federal government, said exactly what Herschel Walker was saying. And the media gave him all sorts of grief. Well, Walker has shaken up his campaign. Oz has not shaken up his campaign. The people who live in Pennsylvania who paycheck to the campaigns up there say they actually think Oz can pull this off. In Georgia, I've been saying I think Walker can pull it off. Two polls have come out, Emerson College and uh, Trafalgar. They both show Walker ahead of Warnock. Uh, Andrew Kaczynski over at CNN pointed out to me that uh, they actually show a decline in support for Herschel Walker, which is true. Uh, we're in seasonal periods where the Democrats tend to poll better in Georgia for a variety of reasons, but they still have him ahead. 
You can tell Warnock's internal polling also has Walker doing well because of their increase in attacks. One of the major attacks that people in Georgia are being subjected to is Raphael Warnock is attacking the Herschel Walker campaign for claiming he was in some way a deputy sheriff in Cobb County. Turns out he was. Turns out he was. Uh, the Cobb County Sheriff's Office and Herschel Walker's campaign have produced the photographic evidence of his certification and ID that he worked with the Cobb County Sheriff's Department for some time. They got the photos. They got the license. Uh, what's remarkable is it took his campaign as long as it did to produce it, uh, but the campaign's only recently been shaken up, and it's a clear sign the campaign is now firing all cylinders that they were able to get that out, and I think that's a good thing. I still think the Republicans can take the Senate back. I still think that the headwinds that we've been seeing uh, against the GOP has a lot to do with seasonal polling, and the media is so reliant on polling for narrative direction, they ignored the history and decided to just carry on, push forward, and go with the polling narratives as opposed to the facts on the ground. I think Blake Masters in Arizona has problems, but even there, the polling is close. And I would note, notice you're not getting a lot of media attention about Carrie Lake in Arizona now that the primary is over. More than half the staff of her Democratic opponent has quit. And Carrie Lake is ahead in almost every poll. And the media that went nuts over Carrie Lake in the primary is now ignoring that race as she's ahead in all the polls. And if Carrie Lake is ahead in all the polls, that suggests to me Blake Masterson, though he has flaws and his campaign needs some work, can still win. And if you win Arizona and you win Georgia and you hold Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, and by the way, you win Nevada, which is gonna happen, the Republicans take the Senate. And I think the Republicans can take the Senate. I think that in a year like this, where the economy is so bad and the Democrats have now overplayed their hand, I think Republicans win the Senate. But you're not going to hear about that in much of the national press because the national press pays attention to polling that is flawed and Democratic talking points, which are partisan and designed to put them in the best light. And I think on the ground, as much as I'm skeptical of some of the candidates and think we could have had better candidates, the fact of the matter is that even in, in uh, years like this, those bad candidates or flawed candidates, I should say, not all of them are bad. Some of them are getting better on the campaign trail. Walker, I think, is a guy who is getting much better on the campaign trail. His appearances are growing. The audience crowd size is growing. His interactions with the press are growing, and his polling is, is improving. I think he's turning the corner with this new team. Oz is all over Pennsylvania. Fetterman is a Twitter troll, but not seen very much in Pennsylvania. Oz is everywhere. I think that's going to help him. Uh, I would say uh, Blake Masters in Arizona, I said Masters and his Masters, uh, needs to be all over Arizona. Be in Tucson, be in Phoenix, be in Scottsdale, go up to Sedona. You're not going to get a lot of votes there. Go up to Flagstaff. You'll get more votes there. Get all over Arizona. Be everywhere, be seen everywhere, and have as many events as possible. Um, show yourself as an Arizonan. I think these people pull it off. And then, of course, there's J.D. Vance. I actually, um, I wasn't a J.D. Vance supporter of the primary I don't, it's not really that I, I didn't care for him. Uh, I, I just thought there was a better fit, but I never thought if he got the nomination, he would lose. The media, however, has convinced themselves J.D. Vance was going to lose. 
they don't like J.D. Vance. And all of the polling in Ohio shows J.D. Vance is going to win. And so you will notice there's been a distinct wind down of talk about Tim Ryan in Ohio from members of the media as the polling very clearly shows that Ohio is a Republican state and J.D. Vance is going to win. Man, the media hate that guy. He used to be one of them. They feel like they built him up. He was a Democratic talking head on television. He became a Republican, started sounding very Trumpy. Whether you think it's authentic or not, he, he sounds like he believes it. Now they can't stand him, and he's beating them, and they don't like it. But as the writing is on the wall now, that race is going to go for the Republicans. And Tim Ryan, who cultivated this cult of personality in the D.C. press corps as a moderate Democrat who would stand up to Pelosi, showing himself to be pretty progressive, Ohioans are getting rid of him and focusing on J.D. Vance, the next senator from Ohio. The media is moving on. The fact that they're continuing to fixate on Masters in Arizona and Oz in Pennsylvania And they're largely ignoring, by the way, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin because the Democrats up there uh, endorsed a or nominated a wackadoo progressive tells you everything you need to know about this race. While the Democrats would like you to believe the battlefield is expanding for them in the Senate, it's actually shrinking to Arizona and Pennsylvania. And if the Republicans hold Pennsylvania and pick up Arizona, forget about Georgia, forget about Nevada, both states are going to win. Um, the Democrats can't hold the Senate because of Nevada and Georgia. When you're a 50-50 Senate, the Republicans can afford to lose a state. As long as they pick up two, then they'll pick up Nevada and Georgia. Well, that's okay. The media, it's, it's, it's starting to dawn on people, I think, that the August polling was probably biased for the Democrats more than it should, and the likely voter polling is going to shift pretty dramatically. Now, we got other stuff we got to talk about. Um, yeah, you know, I actually want to spend a little bit of time on this particular story out of California. It's breaking news happening today. The California power grid officials, they're urging residents to conserve energy. According to uh, the folks in charge of the power grid in California, You need to set your thermostat to 78 degrees. Also, you need to stop using your heavy appliances like your washing machine, your dishwasher, and your dryer. And also, you need to not charge your electric car. You should note that California has decided to ban sales of new new fossil fuel burning gas-powered vehicles in only a couple of years. They're banning the sale of gas-powered vehicles. Yet, they're telling people not to charge their electric cars. What is going to happen, do you think, when California adds all of these new electric vehicles to the power grid? What do you you think is going to happen? The California ISO, this this is from California ISO, starting tomorrow through Tuesday of next week. California and the West are expecting extreme heat that is likely to strain the grid with increased energy demands, especially over the holiday weekend. Temperatures are forecast to begin rising Wednesday, August 31st, intensifying through the holiday weekend and extending to early next week. In many areas of the West, temperatures are forecast to hit triple digits and break records. In what's likely to be the most extensive heat wave in the West so far this year, temperatures in North Northern California are expected to be 10 to 20 degrees warmer than normal through Tuesday, September 6th. 
In Southern California, temperatures are expected to be 10 to 18 degrees warmer than normal. The ISO is taking measures to bring all available resources online. Restricted maintenance operations have been issued for Wednesday, August 31st through Tuesday, September 6th. The peak load for energy is currently projected to exceed 48,000 megawatts on Monday, the highest of the year. The power grid operator expects to call on Californians to voluntary energy conservation. During a flex alert, consumers are urged to reduce energy use from 4 to 9 p.m. when the system is most stressed because demand for electricity remains high and there's less solar energy available. <laughs> the top three conservation actions are set thermostats to 78 degrees, avoid using large appliances and charging electric vehicles, and turn off unnecessary lights. Lowering electricity use during the time will ease the strain on the system. So let's get this right. Uh, from 4 to 9 p.m., after you've gotten home from your office, don't plug up your car and charge it. Really? Really? Don't plug up. When you get home from the office, your office, your car's going to need overnight to charge unless you have a high-capacity charger, which will strain the power grid even more. You can't plug up your car. And yet they don't want Californians to have gas-burning cars anymore. This is a vision of the future for all of us. France has announced it's going to be in regulating power over the winter because of the natural gas shortage. You know, uh, Germany has begged the prime minister of, of Canada to produce more natural gas to sell to Europe. And the prime minister in Canada, Justin Trudeau, has refused and said they have to put the environment before their friends in Europe. Joe Biden has refused to expand natural gas production. They want these people to not use Russian natural gas. They want to hurt Russia in the war with Ukraine. But the Canadian and Americans are not willing to produce more natural gas to send to Europe for the wintertime because of the environment. Really? This is insanity. This genuinely is insanity. And it's going to empower the Russians and actually probably turn the tide of public opinion against Ukraine in Europe over the wintertime as people are freezing to death. There's a national security component here that the Canadian and American governments are too stupid to realize or they realize it and they just don't care. And it's going to have global repercussions as the lights go off, the water goes cold, and people begin to freeze in Europe over the winter. And people in Southern California can't charge the cars the government has forced them into that they never wanted. It's all going to cause economic havoc. In fact, if you're worried about the economic havoc, you may want to consider using precious metals for your retirement. Just as a way to ease the ebbs and flows with inflation and stock market crashes and the like, you could call my friends at GoldCo, learn how to use physical gold and silver, not credits, not certificates, but actual real physical gold and silver. You can call them 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. You can call my friends at Goldco, find out how you qualify for their offer, 855-904-5933, or you can call them by texting Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Text my name to 33777. I will send you their toll-free numbers. You don't have to write down the toll-free number. Just remember, text Eric to 33777. I'll send you Gold Co.'s number. You can call them, tell them I sent you. See how to use precious metals for your retirement planning. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. I survived the colonoscopy, and I didn't even realize they were doing the esophageal nonsense, whatever they call that thing. But I, I managed to survive. Now I'm going to go play golf. I'm not allowed to drive until 3 p.m. They said, man, that propofol stuff or whatever it is, it's good stuff. <laughs> Apparently, I had lots of conversations yesterday, and I have no recollection of any of the conversations. Now, before I get out of here, I got to play you this audio. This is a CNN contributor, and I forget the woman's name, uh, but was talking about Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden, in his speech, said that he was in Pennsylvania. He was going to, they were going to be tough on crime. And if you were a Republican who claimed to be tough on crime, you should take a stand against uh, what happened on January 6th, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. L listen, listen to this. President Biden, though, and Democrats have to weigh how much they want to center this law and order message. I get it. They want to be on offense on this issue and not constantly being beat up on the issue on right. the right. Uh, but at the same time, they run the risk of alienating some of their voters, right? They are not going to get the, you know, so-called back the blue folks. They're just not going to get those voters. And I think speeches like this are an appeal to try to call in that group. But at the same time, there is a reform-minded wing of the Democratic Party. And so he has to strike the right balance, I think, in these uh, speeches and not uh, doing too much to distance himself from, from those folks as well. So... In other words, he's never going to get the back the blue types, so he better not alienate the defund the police types. I'm telling y'all, they're overplaying their hand in this. Nobody believes the Democrats are going to be tough on crime in large part because many of the voters who are going to vote have fled from cities where Democrats are in charge and crime is on the rise. So they're just not going to believe Joe Biden's rhetoric about being tough on crime. You've got um, the squad in Congress saying, Rashida Tlaib and the like, that they're, they're, they still want to defund the police. And voters understand the impact here. Voters understand the reality here. And voters are not going to suddenly say, oh, I guess the Democrats have changed. They're not. They're living in these cities or fleeing these cities where there's crime. And the fund the police people are going to mobilize if the Democrats are somehow able to maintain power. And everybody knows it. I just think the Democrats have overplayed. They've believed their own press. They made that fatal mistake of believing their own press. And that's going to deeply undermine them in the last two months before the election. As people start thinking about the economy, interest rates start rising again. Uh, the, the stock market starts declining again. And gas prices get back on the rise again, which is going to happen as they stop the Strategic Petroleum Reserve release.